Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, but we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new Sweet Tarts Gummies Fruity Splits, a uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart, but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with Tom Kerridge. I'm Orlando and we're here today to talk about exciting ingredients cooking techniques and general kitchen chat. Plus, we have an original Tom Kerridge recipe for you to try out at home, whether you're a beginner or a budding chef. Hi, and welcome to this week's BBC Good Food podcast with Tom Kerridge. We're going to be talking about pies. Tom's got a great recipe for one coming up. But in the meantime, Tom, I've got a question for you. What's your idea of a simply terrible pie? Oh, pies. It's the worst question in the world. I tell you why, because pies are more divisive than politics or which football team or what's your favourite colour. Or like pies, for me, always have to have a lid. But there's so many out there. Some don't have lids. I mean, fish pie, cottage pie, shepherd's pie. They've all got mashed potato on. It's not pastry. It needs to have pastry. (laughs) So uh, what makes a bad pie? Bad pastry. Bad pastry. But also, if it's not a pie at all, it sounds like you're objecting pretty strongly. Yeah, I mean, like, I I get the name a pie, but for me, a pie's got to have pastry lid. So fish pie, no good. Well, it's called fish pie and it does taste great. However, it's not really a pie. You're using the the term loosely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you prefer sweet or savoury pies? Savoury, every time. Like, there's so much about it. So pies, they're childhood memories. They're something that's wholesome. It's it's a little bit, it's it's one of those great British things. I mean, it's something that we're associated with. It's amazing. You you get brilliant pies. The flavour contents that you can drive them are outstanding. The, the types of pastry you can use are beautiful, whether it's hot water paste, um, uh, suet pastry, whether it's short pastry, sweet pastry. You can use so many different, just from the outside, there's so many variants to the fillings are absolutely great. And there's something that makes them, It the most beautiful thing is that it's something that for me, it's kind of like memories of going to football, going going to football, going to watch rugby, going to it's it's a special treat. They're easy to make. It's a way of using leftovers. I mean, there are so many great things about a pie. Everything everything about it is amazing and very very British. 
Yes, it's part of our food ancestry. And it'd, it'd be so sad to think that there are regional pies disappearing, which people don't make anymore. But I believe that is the case. Uh, areas where they've made a particular sort of meat pie and then they stop doing it. And you can't get it back once people have stopped making them. Yeah, well, I think you could probably get... No, I think it's sad that manufacturers of making a particular pie go, go out of business. But I do think that there's more... There's 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 much more scope to pies now. People like a chicken tikka pie or like a I don't know all sorts of different types of flavouring that go into it. The concept of it though is something that's very special. It's it's a thing wrapped in pastry that tastes amazing that you can hold in your hands if you want to, you know, or you have it on a plate. You can do it posh, serve it with gravy. You know, there's lots of different things that become. It's one of those things that transcends all types. They can be cheap and cheerful at a football match or they can be served in a top-end restaurant in London. And you don't mind uh, adventurous flavours? People no. trying something different and unusual in, in there? No, I don't mind them. I wouldn't choose it, but I quite like the idea that people will go and have a go at doing something special. But it's again, the ingredients still have to be lovely. They've still got to be treated with love and respect and made delicious because someone good could, treat, could make a chicken tikka pie with heart, soul, care, and make it delicious, and someone can make a really bad steak and ale pie, which one is going to be the best? Well, the one that's been looked after and loved and cared. That's the one I'd rather eat, irrespective of what the filling is. And it isn't necessarily down to the cost of the ingredients so much as the care with which they've been made. Exactly. Because after all, pasty, which I know isn't you certainly wouldn't allow as a pie, that has traditionally, I think, skirt of beef in it, which is a cheap cut. But if you cook it beautifully, it becomes flavoursome and gorgeously textured. Well, I think it? that's where pies ha have a huge selling point because they contain gorgeous cuts of more, I suppose, humble pieces of meat that have been looked after, loved and cared for that then get put into beautiful pastry. So it's a way of utilising, it's a cost-effective way. They're filling, they're robust. So it uses everything up. You're not going to buy a fillet of beef and put it in a pie. You might do it on crute or a beef wellington, but that doesn't make it a pie because it's wrapped <laughs> in paste. It's, see, it's very, very, very tricky, this. <laughs> We've been talking about British pies and British regional pies, but of course the French would say that they make the most beautiful pies with their fine patch sable and all their finesse that they have. Are you a fan of French pies or do you think they're not really pies in the same way? No, things like they do where they do pâté en croûte, where, where they do these amazing, beautiful farmhouse pâtés that are baked in, in pastry that are then served either hot or cold. I think they're absolutely fantastic. And is that hot water crust or is it short crust, it, do you think? Hot water, hot water crust, crust yeah, right. hot water crust, and then they put jelly. Like it's a super posh pork pie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. done it, but done like a terrine and th like, or where the French specialise in that kind of larder, classic larder work, where they, you know, wonderful lattice tops, and and, and it's it's all about showcase. I think they do it so so well. However, we are getting, and we are very good at it in this country. I mean, we are great at it. I would say we are better pie makers but where they do showcase cook chilled pies they they make things very very special but for a steak you wouldn't go to a french football match and have a steak and ale pie would you you know you go you go to you go to a british football match in the middle of winter and have steak and ale pie and feel that you're really encapsulating british culture and absolutely love it go to france to a football match i mean what are you having before garlic snails i don't know what would you have you don't want that do you you want you want a pie <laughs> 
They have a real eye for food design, I think, the French. They know how to make patisserie look outstanding, don't they? The, the biggest, some of the biggest skilled pastry chefs in the world are French, undoubtedly. They're, 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 they're understanding their technique. Centuries of work gone on there and then passed down through their apprentice system, I think. They have real uh, systems of passing knowledge on, don't they? They do. So we'll rob that pastry work and we'll wrap it around our brilliant British meat. That's what we want. <laughs> or our great vegetarian British potatoes and cheddar cheese, those sort of things. So yeah, we'll take their pastry work but we'll make the filling ours we'll make that's the bit with flavor <laughs> so i take it you're a pork pie man love pork pie it's a very odd piece of food it's very dense and very chewy but there's something marvelous about it it's amazing maybe, maybe you need to have been brought up brought up with it i'm not sure what americans would make of a pork pie the same way as that they're mystified by christmas pudding yeah they they don't quite know why they're eating this strange piece of food but they, no but the, the american uh, I mean, they've got a long way to go till they catch up with Europe in terms of our taste buds and where we're going. The Americans, <laughs> we, their food is based on our exported immigration over 200 years. That You know, their food history, they're building now. They're, if you think how many years, how many centuries they are behind Europe in terms of where our history of food is. And I didn't mean that in a bad way. I mean, that you know, we've got... Years, hundreds of centuries, years, centuries, centuries of extra tradition to build on, haven't we? Yeah, that have swapped and shared an understanding of dishes and the way things have moved from, you know, custard. Well, that's creme anglaise. Well, no, it's not. Yes, it is. You know, it goes backwards and forwards in the understanding of France or British food or the paella and risotto. And uh, there's so many things of the, throughout the whole of Europe. And then uh, 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 raviolis or pierogies that come from Poland. You know, th those kind of things that are just... This European food is so rich and diverse in history that has, over those centuries has, has emulsified and grown and become um, a, a great understanding of what great European food is. The Americans, they've got a long way to go for his, history-wise for their food to get to where they find it on a level playing field. So, yeah, I could see why they would think a pork pie is confusing. However, it is one of the greatest things ever invented. Pork <laughs> pie and black pudding. Although the person that came up with black pudding, like the first person that went, do you know what we'll do with this pig's blood? Let's, let's warm it up a little bit and see if it sets and what it tastes like. I mean, that it was a brave man. But he was, uh, he's, he's a little bit like Neil Armstrong for me. Like he, he took that brave step, he went for it and look what he came up with. <laughs> I have to ask you, where do you stand on kidney? Because this is very di divisive. We asked our Twitter following what they thought of kidney and it was a resounding no. I am in that group. I'm afraid I am not. Even though I look like it, I look like a bloke that pushes on with loads of offal. I'm not that guy. I, I, I'll eat it, I'll, you know, and I'm very happy taste everything. Like, don't get me wrong. But if you give me the choice of a steak and kidney pudding or a um, beef and ale one, I'll go with a steak and ale one, not the one with kidneys in. I'm just not. Uh, this big flavour, it's strong, it's overpowering, it's, it's, it's a massive flavour. It's ox kidney as well that they usually put into pies and puddings, I think, which is a slightly crude tasting, a real kind of pazam dose of bitterness, really. Whereas ki kidneys, like little lamb's kidneys and things like that, are manageable, for me anyway. But, yeah, I mean, but, they're manageable. Yeah, but, but it wants the manageable food. <laughs> and the taste kind of overrides the pie, doesn't it? So, yeah. So we're going to give a thumbs down to, to I'm kidney. A, I'm, a, I'm, so, I'm in the kidney out camp. I'm not very keen on custard pie, so I want to know what you think of custard pie. 
what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, it hasn't got pastry on the top, so I know that you, you will only really just about let it in as a pie at all. So it's a tart, custard tart. Okay, now we had a question from, from our Twitter following from Joanna Jenkins. What's the difference between a pie and a tart? Well, pie's got a lid on. Okay, pie, and a tart pie, is underneath. Only a tart, underneath. A tart is no lid, yeah. Right, tart okay. is no lid. Well, we've clarified. She's going to be a happy girl, isn't she, Joanna Jenkins? We've solved her problem there we go. with one. yeah. And so a custard pie, how do you get the, it takes on that kind of flabbiness. The pastry doesn't, it's very hard to get that pastry crisp underneath all that custard. Can it be done? Yeah, so there's kind of like two, I suppose, two very famous ways of making the custard tart. So there's the nutmeg custard tart that we make in the, the, the I suppose, very British, where you sweet pastry and you bake it and you blind bake it. And you, that's where you've got to make it nice and crispy and, and cooked and cooked all the way through. And many recipes tell you blind bake a tart for 15 to 20 minutes. You don't want to do that. It's 40, 45 minutes until, you know, on a lower temperature and it's it's, so it's like a biscuit. It's properly, so it's properly, like properly, properly biscuited. Yeah. 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 Then a little bit of an egg glaze on it. Okay. And then that gives is it... Is that for, uh, beaten egg or egg white or... Doesn't make egg yolk. I would do it as egg yolk. Okay. Okay. And, and then, that goes in cold. You brush the, the brush inside nice and the, thin. It, when it's cold. The, when the, it's hot. So, when it's hot. hot. So just that brushing, when the tart comes straight out of the oven, brush it then and that, the heat of the tart will cook the egg and seal it in. Then you make your custard mix, your nutmeg infused custard mix. You you want to cook it in a pan up to around about 68 degrees before you pour it into the tart. So it's already got a chance of being cooked. Then you pour it into the tart. Then you put it into an oven at about 120 and take it till it's around about 75, maybe 80 degrees centigrade and then take it out and then grate a load of nutmeg all over the top and just get one of those temperature probes into the middle and that's when it, you'll know it's cooked. Grate a load of nutmeg over the top then and then you leave it to just chill for an hour and that's when you take a slice and you'll just have this perfectly set, beautiful, wobbly custard tart. That's delicious and that way the pastry will be nice and crisp and, and the custard just set. But the other custard tarts that you're talking about, it's kind of like almost like the Portuguese or Chinese oh, natter yeah, tarts yeah. Where, where they're kind of rough puff pastry that's been pushed into a mold and then you, it's kind of a, a custard mix that's made with corn flour that you pour in to raw pastry and you bake them on a slightly higher temperature because it's got a corn flour base in it. It means you can cook it without the egg splitting. But that that's where that kind of mix soaks a little bit into the pastry. And that's where you've got that kind of crispy outside, gooey pastry middle, and then the custard inside. So there's two slightly different And types. you're transported to Lisbon with every bite. Lisbon or Hong Kong. They're very similar. Oh, really? The Chinese ones are a little sweeter. I want to ask you about thermometer. You're using a thermometer. Digital thermometer, yeah. I I love my digital thermometer. I worship it. And I just wish everyone had a thermometer, but I don't think everyone's got one yet. Best 15 quid you'll ever spend. It's the best... Everyone asks me at Christmas, right, how do you cook a turkey? And I tell them, well, you've got to cook the middle to a particular temperature. How are you going to know that? By digging one of these thermometers into the breast meat to know when it's cooked. It's the best, all the rubbish we buy at Christmas for 10 or 15 quid is a joke present for somebody, you know, like a, a cup that says something rude on it or a whoopee cushion or a whatever. Like, forget that. 
buy one of those. It will, it will save you so much time and effort and worry about cooking. Mine was a bit more expensive than that. I've got one of the folding ones that's yeah. instant. You put it in, it takes about two seconds, which is brilliant. Um, but I think it was about 40 quid mine. But you don't need to spend 40 quid, you don't think. You can, no, you didn't need to spend 40 quid either. <laughs> it was a present. <laughs> it was a present. You obviously thought I was worth 40 quid or that my cooking needed 40 pounds worth of improvement. Yeah. That's the alternative, isn't it? Have you ever been to a pie and mash shop? I'm have, fascinated yeah. by it. Tell me about pie and pie I'm... mash and liquor. So what, it's kind of like a parsley sauce. So I mean, it's an East End favourite where it's it's proper. Again, it's sad. One of those things that are beginning to die out. But it is a case of having pie with mashed potato and a liquor, which is kind of like a, like a parsley infused um, c- kind of cooking stock, basically, that's thickened, that's poured over the top and it's delicious. It's wholesome, it's hearty. It was built there for the... It, it's one of those dishes that for working class blokes from the his, past history of working in the docks in East London and or doing those jobs that were the industrial types of jobs that were down there, filling, robust, kind of like every food that comes from industrial areas. It's about keeping people going, filling them up. Like Cornish pasty, really. Exactly. Like, yeah. And it tastes, I mean, it tastes delicious. What sort of, what, what flavour is, is the pie or do you get a choice of You, of go, you get a choice, but mo- meat pies... <laughs> Meat. Meat pies. And what about the, the restaurant environment? Is it very old-fashioned or are there some kind of funky, ultra-modern pie mash I, kind of new I, wave? I haven't been to a new wave one, but I have been to... They, they're almost like greasy spoon cafes, that kind of like... With formica, kind of wipe clean type. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And are they cheap? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are. They're, they're built for people that are that work. You know, it's kind of it's not it's not a posh environment, but it's a great environment. It's brilliant. It's hearty, wholesome. London cab drivers hang out there. It's that kind of space. It's brilliant. And well, like, I'm going to put that on my to do list. Oh, definitely, and definitely, definitely. They're probably about what half a dozen left, or are there more than that? Do you think? I don't know. I I can't imagine. There's a lot. I can't imagine. There's a lot. Sounds a really valuable thing for us to keep. And it could become quite popular again, particularly with the rebirth of the East End, don't you think? hundred percent. I think that the more regeneration that goes in, the problem is someone will end up doing a super posh one and it'll go away from being £3.50 for a pie to £13.50. <laughs> and, and, and it suddenly becomes one of those gentrified things like we always tend to do. But that's, I suppose that comes when you take something, a base level that's hearty and wholesome and delicious and what it represents and what it stands for and then use amazing ingredients and then use all of this, you know, top end stuff and turn something that's got the heart and soul of something special and then you take it from an ingredient level into another level. So, yeah, but I, I could I could see a top-end gentrified pie and pie mash and liquor shop appearing in London at some point soon. <laughs> well, there's an idea for you, Tom. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking about it. <laughs> I know that you worked for Gary Rhodes earlier in your career, and he, he was doing that thing called New British Cuisine where he took old regional dishes and kind of revamped them. I bet he, at some point he had a go at pie and mash and, and did a modernised version of it, don't you think? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. We used to do mash with Gary all the time and, and pies were pies were huge. We used to do uh, suet pudding, steamed suet pies. Oh, suet. Yeah, suet pudding, which was d- absolutely delicious. Gary was great at that. And it was... I he, think was Gar- he really kind of invented that movement, didn't he? Yeah, and it was, it was, it was one of those things where we were all now celebrating British food and... And I called it. I know we called it New British. However, they're dishes that have been around for ages: bread and butter pudding, steamed suet, suet steamed suet pudding, um, just simple terrines and flavoured soups, and just 
very, very, very simple cooking of British ingredients, but done exceptionally well. And he made them look beautiful. He was a very, very creative guy. He was very good. Oh, at still is creative guy. Yeah, yeah. but very, yeah. very good at making three ingredients sing. The simplicity, taking things away from the plate rather than putting things on it. He, yeah. yeah, an outstanding, a great, great cook. Great. Uh, one of the first. TV superstars, really. I remember people, I remember people screaming for him outside the NEC when he was going to make a performance. Which pies do you serve in your restaurant? Um, so we do at the coach in in Marlow. We do lots of different ones. We we change them seasonally as and when they move. We do game pies. We do um, we do beef pies. We do chicken and tarragon. We do and they we cook them on a rotisserie. At the hand of flowers, there's quite often a pie on the set lunch, which is always normally beef, which is great. And then they it, feel quite lunchtimey in a way. The yeah. sort of thing that, you know, gets you through the afternoon. Exactly. So when you go out atmosphere. for dinner, like a pie doesn't always feel posh enough, does it? Because you've gone out for dinner. But they're always on the menu. And, and at Carriages Bar and Grill in the centre of town, we have a pig's cheek pie, which is oh. absolutely delicious. And it's shaped into like a pig's snout on the top. So it's kind of like, and that's served with clotted cream mashed potato. Oh, and, wow. And very crispy black pudding on the top. So it's pie and mash, like, and it, it's absolutely Right, delicious. clever man. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's lovely. I mean, they're they're they're, they're all love they're all lovely. But I, I'm a big lover of pies, and they're on they appear on all three restaurants. And we we've also got a butcher's as well, where we serve we serve lots of different pies. I mean, that's probably our main pie outlet, where we have lots of different pies. And the butcher's is also a pub crossover. So you go in in the evening, it's just serve it. It's a pub with beer and Sky Sports on, and you watch a telly and whatever, and you can have a pint. But we also serve pies, and we heat the pies up for you. So you have pie and mash and a pint of beer. Job done. Still to come on BBC Good Foods podcast with Tom Kerridge. Anything that anyone wants to know. I don't, I don't know about anything. And <laughs> we've I, got the answer. Although I am a doctor. I have an honorary doctorate in philosophy. So yeah, there you go. Oh, well, now we know. Keep those problems coming on Twitter and we'll do our best to mop them up as we roll through the subject. Not about philosophy either, actually. I mean, I have got an honorary doctorate in it, but don't ask me anything on philosophy. <laughs> Well, we're going to eat a pie in just a moment, but I've got some questions to ask you first about pastry. People okay. get very exercised about pastry and our Twitter following have been sending us their worries about pastry. A couple of them <laughs> you've already covered about how to avoid a soggy bottom. Yeah. Um, Victoria Summers is finds that her short crust pastry falls apart when she rolls it out. Okay. What's happening there? It's not moist enough. It's not got... It needs um, to whack in a bit more water? Just a little splash of water. It's got to feel slightly elastic -y. It's got to feel that it comes together. Like, And also, if she's rested it, it might be too cold in the fridge. It's got to leave it to come to room temperature. If you've rested it in the fridge, then take it out, leave it to come to room temperature and roll it. It's just got to... feels like it's a little dry in the first place. I know it's short crust, but there's short crust and then there's just short. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to get a bit and of moisture. It's impossible in there. to manage. You exactly. want it you want it roll outable, but no more moist than that. Exactly. So Victoria, pop in a bit a little bit more liquid. Um I don't think people make rough puff puff or puff pastry at home, but they do make beautiful pies. Yeah. Um do do you have a preference for short crust? rough puff or puff when it comes or flaky flaky is in between isn't yeah, it yeah flaky, flaky is also is the same between. as rough puff, rough puff it's, puff, it's like it? that kind of yeah. like folded and rolled and mixed together and rolled out and and, and then actually, leave it for an hour get it out roll it out that is for, for a home cook that's quite an investment in time because we're not in the kitchen all day anyway so to go back after an hour is actually 
you know, we've gone out to the shops or something, doing something instead. But of course, in the restaurant, you can you can go back. Exactly. We're always on it. But you can buy very, very good puff pastry. Now, you can buy very, very good all butter puff pastry from the supermarkets that do a great, great job. Um, phyllo pastry, again, you can buy, they taste, it's a great alternative for things. It's lighter, it's fresher, it's cleaner, it, it, it's crisp, it's, but it's not like a, it's not, um, if you're looking at doing a base and something very solid in it without it, but phyllo isn't robust enough to hold, it's too dry. But I like making a hot water paste for pies, and that's a really nice way of doing it. It's quite, it's very quick, it's very easy. And that's it's very lard. Manageable. Is that the lard yeah. and flour and hot water and yeah. salt and pepper, and that's it? Yeah, isn't you it? bring it up to the boil, and then you add, you whisk in the butter, uh, um, bring it up to the boil, either lard or butter you can use, and then you pour in the flour, bring it together on a on on your um, on your machine, and just hold hold the hold the dough, in, wrap it in cling film, stick it in the fridge, leave it to rest but it's still very it's easy to roll it's really it's really forgiving it's really forgiving and is that you, you use that a bit thicker than short crust do you or, or do you, you get it you can get you can roll it thin and do you blind bake that or or do you not need to yes you can blind bake that but some quite often it's quite nice it depends on the sort of pie but normally we roll it quite thin fill the stuff in and then bake it so you don't need to because if you can roll it thin enough it'll caramelize and cook nicely anyway and the and it for whatever reason it doesn't absorb the moisture from the filling and get all soggy exactly because it people don't seem to want want sogginess no um, cook it for longer like every pastry you're using if they're getting soggy it's because it's not being cooked for long enough yeah you 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 the, the biggest thing with food is people rush it you can't rush it you've just got to take your time and it's ready when it's ready not when it says in the recipe book if in the recipe book it says 20 minutes and you take it out after 20 minutes and it's not ready it's, a, it's not the book's fault like it's the it, you know it's it will be ready when it's ready and you'll only get that from practice and learning whenever we talk about cooking temperatures you always say it's surprisingly long numbers and i'm thinking to myself 40 minutes to blind bake a thing 45 minutes oh my goodness yeah but you can blind bake it the day before you need yeah. it so much of so much of good cookery is an understanding of structure and that's what you you put that into your life then you can do it if you're going to make a cake for sunday or you're going to make a you're going to make a custard tart for sunday you can make the pastry on wednesday you can roll it out on friday you can blind bake it on saturday then you can put the custard in on sunday you can spend time making it now, Sarah Lilly, another of our Twitter followers, gosh, they're keen on pies, I tell you. Uh, um, she's got a problem of her, her, her pastry lid shrinking. Okay, um, not rested enough. That's easy. Enough. Yeah, not rested enough. That's gone on too early, not rested enough and baked. You see, we've got Dr. Tom here. Anything that anyone wants to know. <laughs> I, don't, got, I don't know about anything. <laughs> and we've I, got the answer. Although I am a doctor. I have an honorary doctorate in philosophy. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, well, now we know. <laughs> so keep those, keep those problems coming on Twitter and we'll do our best to mop them up as we roll through the subjects. Um, do Not you... about philosophy either, actually. I mean, I have got an honorary doctorate in it, but don't ask me anything on philosophy. I <laughs> say, greatest philosopher of all time is Liam Gallagher, as far as I'm concerned. Concerned. <laughs> <laughs> what would you serve a pie with? Is, is mash the best thing? Yeah, I think mash is good. I mean, to is be it, honest, to, to contrast with the, I mean, there's a lot of texture well, going mash, in pie, Mash is it? quite good. Okay, and it's great if you're out and about and you're 
I don't know, you've got it in a polystyrene tray and you're at a football match or you're sat somewhere in it and it's delicious. However, I think when you're at home, I like really irony greens with it. I go, well, actually, probably there's enough carbohydrate in a pastry. The filling is delicious. I like I like really irony cabbage. I like really beautiful uh, things like uh, um, things like Calvolo Nero goes with it really nicely or hispy cabbages or something that's got this wonderful vibrancy irony flavour that kind of, kind of counterbalanced the robustness and the richness of the pie. That's what I love. A kind of really characterful vegetable to, Hugely, to, to yeah. take on and take it on and not just vanish. Yeah, but not necessarily a, a root vegetable, like good brassicas. That's the yeah. good brassicas go with a good pie. And would you always serve a pie with gravy or a sauce? Or do you sometimes get enough kind of juiciness going on inside the pie that it doesn't need a gravy? Never enough sauce. Always give extra. Extra gravy for everything. Always give extra gravy. <laughs> do you do you drizzle on that that on the plate before the plate goes out? Or do you give people a little kind of sauce boat of their own of gravy? Or? I think a big sauce boat in the middle and everyone big can help themselves. Big gravy. sauce boat of gravy in the middle. Everyone help themselves. That and English mustard. Perfect. <laughs> The jelly in pork pie is something that some people find a bit weird. Um, There isn't actually that much jelly in a normal pork pie. But I remember when I was a kid, there did seem a lot of jelly like rolling around the place. And it was a very weird thing for a kid to eat. Yeah. I mean, it should be good. It is amazing. And what it is, all that, all the jelly is, is set stock. You know, the stock that you've cooked some of so the meat So it's a in. kind of solid sauce. It's a sauce that's set, Exactly that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. So a lot of people don't know that when you go to a posh restaurant, the sauce that they have, the red wine sauce or whatever else, it's only in liquid form once it's heated up. Yeah. It's sat in the fridge. It's solidified. It's made with the roasting of bones and the and natural all that gelatin, gelatin that has gone out. into it. Yeah. And that's exactly what's gone into a pork pie. It's fla- It's meat flavour. It's, it's just a chilled sauce. If you were to heat that pork pie up, the jelly goes in hot. You know, that's how, why it's that liquid. And as it chills, it sets. So, yeah. that's, so it's, it's, own, it's only like meat stock. Like, don't be scared of, don't be scared of jelly. I know sometimes for decoration at posh buffets, they, they cut, well, aspic is, is what we're talking about. It's a kind of clear version of it. And they cut it into diamonds and funny shapes. They certainly used to in the, in the days of that sort of food presentation. That's a bit much. I mean, or would you le- reach for one of the little no, I diamond think, shaped I think bits of aspic? I have gone beyond that. You know, those days of 1970s and 80s cooking where you go, this is, this is how the posh people do it. Or yeah. this is, Fanny that- Craddock. God bless her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I kind of get that, but it's almost like that's that's kind of like what posh hotels did in the era where we used to have pineapple on sticks stuck out of a baked potato to look like a hedgehog. You know, those kind of, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Like even kids' parties don't do that anymore. Like yeah. it, it, we've kind of moved on from retro, that, Retro 70s parties still do them, I'm glad to say. Yeah. But do you know, yeah. I'm feeling a bit peckish and I think it's time to launch our chicken and leek Philo pie. Oh um, yes. I want while while Jack, our our producer's assistant, is helping us to the table with this beautiful creation. I want to ask you a bit about handling phyllo. You mentioned phyllo as being a, a great kind of uh, clean, light sort of pastry. That is a thing of beauty. And I have to tell everyone that it's sprinkled with nigella seeds aren't they yeah yeah and it looks really cute nigella seeds like un- basically onion seeds are tasty and delicious if the oh we're gonna get a great sound we're gonna get one of our sound effects tom all right aren't we? you're ready you're ready yeah yeah 
<laughs> that is real, everyone. That is the sound of Tom Kerridge phyllo pastry being snap crackled. So this is kind of one of those. This is almost a case of being able to use it as leftover. So the chicken is kind of like leftover from Sunday lunch kind of stuff. Thanks very much. And the phyllo is one of those things that you have in the fridge or the freezer. It's easy to use and it's being used here as a topping. We've served it in a pie dish. Okay, so it's served in a pie dish, filled the chicken mix in it. It's got leeks in it, mushrooms, and it's one of those lovely things. And the phyllo is really important that goes on the top. Now, when I'm dealing with phyllo, I buy my pack of phyllo, and every time I buy it, the phyllo sheets seem to be different size. Some of them, like, cover the table. Some of them are little square things. I've never seen a round one yet. Do you just cut them up with scissors to be the size and shape you need? Or do you get do you fold them, try and fold them? or? I Try and put them out on a large chopping board. Yeah. Brush them, brush them with butter. Like it doesn't matter. Stick them all together and then cut it to the shape that you want. So if it's three layers, give it that little brush or spray with oil, and then put the next one on. Then put the next one, on, and then cut it to where you want. So stick it together first, then shape it. Right, because I think the suggestion here was to fan them, fa fan the the leaves, so that you get the little angular bits that we've got sticking out. But this one was about. This is about it texture on the top so this isn't about actually it doesn't really matter what size your feeler is or what shape it is you can just, just stick it on the top and lay it fold up. it under or over exactly so that, yeah. as always i seem to be found that i worry too much about to things yeah. tom and then you just say oh just put it there it's it's ideal the way it is so i think you spend your time worrying about ingredients and things that really matter whereas i'm worrying about you know the shape of phyllo leaves so one of the biggest things i say to chefs when they come in our kitchen is that they worry about what the food looks like. The f Listen, it's always good. You've got to have beautiful presented food. But if chefs in the kitchen are constantly worried about what it looks like, it's only ever going to look that beautiful in front of the customer once. And that's when it goes in front of them. The moment they've put their fork in it and changed it, that picture's gone. All that work you've put into making it look beautiful, which is obviously very important when people get it, but it's gone once. They've then got the next 15 minutes of eating it. If you haven't concentrated on what it tastes like, they've got 15 minutes of eating something rubbish and the, or, and it now looks rubbish as well. I'd rather something went in front of somebody looking like, oh, well, that's, well, that's all right. And then they eat it and go, wow, that's amazing. Always about flavor first. Always, always, always. And especially when you're at home. You know, you've not got a team of chefs at home concentrating on getting great flavours, making it taste delicious, putting this in front of the table with four guests sat in front of you. They'll, they'll go, oh, yeah, that looks nice. But then when they taste it, they go, wow, that's great. They'll go, do you know what? I'm going around to Orlando's for tea again because he makes a great feed of pie. <laughs> I love the Nigella seeds on top, by the way. They're, they're, lovely, they're inspiration because they, they, they look great, but they also have a, a lovely flavour as well. I know from my magazine experience that there are some dishes that, as you say, are, there's no point in trying to make them look beautiful because you just end up putting things on top of them. Things like risotto do look a bit drab on the plate and yet they're wonderful to eat. So we just need to take a deep breath and love them for what they are rather than turn them into, you know, some fandango with goodness knows what all disguising them. Food should never be about making it look the most beautiful. It should always be about making it taste the most beautiful. I mean, at the end of the day, we're putting it in our mouths. Yes, food is visual. Yes, you get enticed into it by what it looks like and smells like and all of those sort of things. But the most important thing always is, does it taste nice? 
I can't think of any better way that to end our show today than on those optimistic, cheerful notes. So thank you very much indeed, Tom, and it's a, a delicious pie. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's show. You'll find the recipe and thousands more on bbcgoodfood.com. If you have a minute, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram at BBC Good Food.